Hello, this is Westnitz, and you're listening to Palmcast. Pom pom. One take. <laughs> Nailed it. It's natural. <laughs> Hello. Hi, and welcome to Palmcast, the podcast that accompanies Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. I'm Sophie Scott, and I'm joined as ever by the lovely Lydia Gluck. Hi Sophie. Hi Lydia. What have you been up to? Oh well, I was at uh, a wonderful knitting show over the weekend, but I'll I'll save that for the news section. I can't wait. No, no one ever can. It's so exciting. <laughs> uh, how about you? What have you been up to? I've mainly been watching a lot of classic films, films that I never thought I wouldn't have seen at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not young, but I'm not old, and I should have seen. It's <laughs> a Smith's lyric, isn't it? <laughs> um, so Blade Runner. Have, yes. Have you seen that one? You know what? I don't. I know that I've read the book, oh, okay. but I'm not sure that I've actually seen the film. I can't remember now. Maybe I have. Well, do you feel like I would know if I'd seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because of the it. stunning shots. It's just it hasn't. It's one of those films which is very timeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it hasn't. Well, it's very 80s in some ways, but at the yes. same time, it's very like modern and just brilliant. It's yeah. brilliantly shot. Like really, really enjoyed it. And I went to go see it in the cinema, which I think helped Ooh. a lot with the whole atmosphere and like, oh my God, really cool. Yeah. Um, also, my other classic films I've been watching, uh, Pretty in Pink. I haven't seen that. That's a good one. Very kind of good 80s feel good. Many yeah. ma- 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 80s I'm saying in. Yeah. I don't want to go too adventurous. <laughs> no. And Say Anything with John Cusack and a lady where he's holding <laughs> the boombox. And I've just been listening to a lot of Peter Gabriel on repeat because of that. <laughs> Wow, I'm glad that you've been uh, broadening your cultural horizons. Yeah, I've got to say. <laughs> like, looking back yeah. towards the um, the horizon behind you. Rather I feel than if I front. can be a responsible uh, commentator on pop culture and society and knitting in general now, I need to build up my uh, backlog references. of references. Yeah. So classic films is what I've been doing, Very good. Well, you see, that's something I need to do because I'm known amongst my friends as the person who hasn't seen anything. Right. Um, I had the pleasure of being brought up by parents who liked to tape really obscure children's films and we would just watch those over and over again. So mm. I've seen, like, The Dark Crystal and The Last Unicorn, like, three million times, but I had never seen Ghostbusters or Home Alone. You know what? I haven't seen Ghostbusters. Well, I watched it last year. Right, okay. It's really good. <laughs> this could be the next thing. We want film recommendations. Oh, we would love film recommendations because we've had, you know, the book um, top three that we did yeah. was very exciting. And I think we had a few book recommendations. Um, So, of course, film recommendations. And in other cultural news, both of us have been to see the Alexander McQueen exhibition, which is on at the Victorian Albert Museum in South Kensington. So if you're in London, it's on until September, right? It is, yeah. It's like their big summer exhibition. And just the whole... Like, the outfits and the whole creation of it is amazing. But the way it's curated, like, each room you walk into is, like, a big kind of gilded mirrors and then it's like a cave kind yeah. of thing well and i then... think because they the idea was that they were recreating his very um kind of impressive and yeah it's almost like it's performance but it's like the theater but it's also a catwalk show yeah and it's just a whole concept it's amazing and like... amazing projections i really enjoyed yeah. the projections and i think um for the first uh i think it was like two rooms i mean you know that i won't do too many spoilers but the first two rooms <laughs> it was closing there <laughs> um were more about tailoring yes. which i find very interesting yeah, and i yeah. thought oh yes i like clothes this is very nice and then all of a sudden it became yeah like this kind of very immersive experience mm. almost so you had the music playing the cut the music that would have been playing when the collection yeah. was kind of launched at the show and amazing projections and yeah we, i don't want to say too much but it was it's stunning and you kind of get out and you sort of get into the gift shop of the real world and you're like, I'm not ready for this. I needed like a little bit of a sit down. Yeah, (laughs) you need sort of like a decompression chamber where you can just kind of think about everything. And like, you know, I I think I didn't actually know that much about Alexander. You know, Mm. I knew kind of who he was roughly and I knew that he was English and from London and that that was a big part. You know, I knew that he was known for being very kind of outlandish and Mm. so on. But I feel now like I get it more. Like I really understand why he was such a big deal. And Um, that's that's the mark of a good exhibition, I guess. Yeah. get immersed in that world yeah and I'd love to see it again actually um yeah so if any of you are thinking of going then definitely do and you know let's talk about it on the social media (laughs) so coming up on the podcast we have usual news and reviews Mm -hmm. that handy rhyming couplet of uh (laughs) fun things we have tell and tell where we tell you guys and each other about our nits we have a wonderful and exciting interview with Mr. Stephen West Stephen West guys he's the best of neon knitters so we're very pleased we could catch a little chat with him I'm sure you guys will be as well Mm -hmm. Um, we've also got Ravelry Realness our top picks of Ravelry and a top three which has a travelling theme Mm. so come 
Yes, Pom Pom had a stand at Inet Fandango this weekend just gone, which was in the Royal Horticultural Society Lindley Hall, which is a beautiful location. It has a kind of amazing um, like glass roof, basically. Like the whole roof is windows. Mm. And so there was lots of natural light. Essential. Which is essential. Arms. Exactly. So um, that was lovely. It was on the Friday and Saturday. And it was a really lovely show. There were lots of our kind of show buddies, you know, people that we kind of see around at the shows, like Rachel Coopy and Linda from Kettle Yarn Co. Um, Blackett Yarns were there, which is always very exciting. And there was also the ever elusive and exciting Wool Mice. Yeah, I heard this. A lot of people went very crazy for this. Well, and, you know, I, d- so. I can see why. Yeah. Yes. So it was pretty amazing. It was definitely the most Wool Mice I've seen in one go since Knit Nation. Yeah. Um, and speaking was, like a true veteran <laughs> it was impressive as always and yeah it was just a really nice uh, atmosphere and the cafe was done by the Finchley WI oh really that's which cool was really sweet. I didn't know that fact that's great <laughs> yeah and, um, the cafe kind of overlooked the show it was mm-hmm. quite a small show almost like a capsule show mm, so it was like very um, high quality small amount of stands um, high quality yourself included pom pom included <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it was lovely because I got to, you know, always enjoy being at shows and meeting people mm-hmm. who uh, listen to the podcast, for example, or read the magazine, or who haven't done either of those things, but see the magazine and like it, which I always find very lovely. So yeah, that was really fun. I've been spending most of the week thinking about, can you hear the drums? And I realised it's Fernando, the song. Yes. But I want to be like, Fernando. <laughs> I was thinking, isn't there like a Franz Ferdinand song that involves the word Fandango? I know there's a Queen song, definitely. Oh. As well. Have I mixed those guys up? I don't think so. Either way. Good Either fun. way. We'll find one or all of those songs <laughs> and we'll um, fact check and post them alongside this uh, this podcast. So Pom Pom's also travelling across the pond, as they say. Who says that? I don't know. People do. The people. The peeps. Um, <laughs> to TNNA. Yes, the National Needle Arts Association. Trade show, yes, in Columbus. So I'll be there. Which is exciting. And Pom Pom will also be doing a trunk show, I believe. Oh, excellent. Date to be um, confirmed. <laughs> That'll be at Brooklyn General, the yarn shop. So any of you guys who are in New York... I was going to say New York in like a... I know, I can see your... faux New York accent that I thought, no, 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 no. I no, can no, see no. you thinking about it and then you kind of... That pause of like, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't do accents. But as you've been to New York, you'll practiced and then you'll come back. And you'll oh be... yeah, I'll come back and you'll be like, oh, who's this person who's from New York that looks just like Lydia? <laughs> who's this broad? Yeah. <laughs> I nearly said the accents, but we'll, we'll, we'll practice our accents. We'll then. get back to you on that, guys. So uh, yeah, so come <laughs> say hi if you are in um, New York in the week, the first week of June, it'll mm-hmm. be. And, of course, we will be telling you via all the social media places um, where and when we'll be. And uh, we can report back on that at the next podcast. That's good. Fantastic. Well, most exciting news, Mm -hmm. and probably a lot of you know this already, issue 13. It's been winging its way through your doors and local yarn shops and, I don't know, maybe some helicopter drops things off. Definitely. We provide a high service, high quality service. Pigeon, carrier pigeon messages, yes. dropping mm-hmm. them in. To Owls. The far climbs. Owls, yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Huskies with sleighs. Yes. Yeah. Pom-poms on the sleighs. However you make it, you know, just make sure you get your pom- copy of pom-pom. Yeah, so there's a new summer issue, which yeah. is looking lovely. I know we're all biased uh, in this room who's recording it, but yeah, yeah <laughs> lovely issue. It's very summery, yep. I would say. So we've got lots of, what are your favourites from this? You've actually knit some. Well, exactly. I'm just going to go with the... Well, I mean, they're all my favourites, really. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I choose between my children? <laughs> but since you're forcing me... <laughs> I am particularly excited about the two bags, mm-hmm. which we'll discuss more later, I think. Yep. But um, just because we've never had bags in the magazine before. So we have a kind of um, little kind of pouch for storing your knickknacks, which is tapestry crochet mm-hmm. um, called Azulejo. I thought you were going to say for storing your tapestry crochet. But like, I need to make some tapestry crochet. So I store <laughs> my tapestry Meta! <laughs> you store your tapestry crochet inside the thing you made with tapestry. Yes. Well, and the, the other bag, um, which is called Pomelo, mm-hmm. um, is more like a kind of... what? How would you describe it? Like a kind of market bag? Yeah. More like yeah. satchel style, maybe? Yeah. But it's not fun enough flap. No. But it's... Um, 
it's made in uh, blue sky cotton mm -hmm. and you could put your knitting project in it. I think, yeah, you get to the point where you were knitting it and you'd be like, oh, I've put stuff in this now, great, yeah. <laughs> multi-purpose. So that's good. And then in the wearables, mm -hmm. well, there's just, there's so many to choose from. What about you, Sophie? What's I your like, favourite? I like Michelada by Nadia Starlings, which has this lovely bouncy kind of moss stitch pattern in it. It's like this gorgeous kind of rusty red mm. colour, it was life in the long grass uh, yarn. Um, I think that looks nice because also I think it would blend nicely within that weird kind of fall, um, fall, I'm going American, <laughs> uh, that weird like autumn kind of, if you get like, sometimes you get those gorgeous Indian summers that you yeah. like September. So I think that would be good to do one of those. And you in fact have. So. I have, but I'll, I'll save talking about that till the tell I'm so tell. excited about tell and tell. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, yes. And lots of lovely articles as well. Good articles in Pom Pom. Uh, stuff about the golden ratio. And Anna Maltz has her usual bit about summer knitting. Yeah. I love the title of that. It's some are knitting. Pun. Pun. <laughs> and then uh, natural dyeing article by Anna and Juan. 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 Hi. Thanks, God. Thank goodness you're here for the pronunciation. Uh, so yeah, it's quite exciting if you guys ever want to have a go at that. And I think, yeah, it's a nice summer activity to do something like that. Definitely. Outdoorsy. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, even though knitting is, as we all know, not traditionally considered a summer activity, I think that we have shown time and again that it can be, um, especially in Britain, but yeah. I think also elsewhere. Cool. So we've talked so much about this new issue. I think we should move on to Tell and Tell because uh works quite nicely with what you've been up to. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So I um, was very excited, of course. I mean, I'm excited about all the issues of Pom Pom. So the disclaimers we keep offering. <laughs> yeah. But, um... I was particularly excited about this one and I finished my Michelada just in time for the iKnit Fandango, which, um, I mean, as any of you know who, you know, make things and then wear them to knitting shows, they're like the best place to wear yeah. knit items because everybody kind of knows what they are, they know that you've made it and they want to talk about the yarn that you've used and it's really fun. So I was wearing it um, on Friday and Saturday, so any of you who popped by the by the by the booth um will have seen me in it i made it in yellow with a mm -hmm. kind of gray um trim just a little bit on the edges of the sleeves and on the cast on edge um around the kind of waist area and i very much enjoyed making it i made it in the cascade heritage sock yarn mm, okay. um, which is lovely lovely to work with and i'm I mean, I'm, it's, again, I'm, like, trying not to wear it all the time. <laughs> Luckily, it's actually not really warm enough to wear it all the time yet. <laughs> Can you offer any tips for knitting it? Because uh, a lot of people are probably thinking about making it. I am, so. <laughs> well, there's short row shaping around the, um, on you know, for the uh, neckline. Mm -hmm. And because you're switching between two different needle sizes to get the texture, um, you're just, yeah, just keep an eye on that, basically. It's just, okay. uh, it's not... You know, by the time you get to the short row shaping, you're really used to the pattern, you're really kind of comfortable with it. So it's, you know, I find it fine, but I was like, oh yes, doing short rows and don't forget to change needle size kind sure. of thing. So I would say that. And I think that I liked doing the contrast edging. Um, so that's a little extra, you know, could do that. That's nice. always fun. Um, yeah, and I've started making Greco. Ah, from the new pom-pom. So yes. That's the cover star, the nice kind of Breton stripes. Exactly. That nice lace detail in as well. Yeah. And uh, so the original is in, yeah, the very kind of traditional Breton stripe, kind of dark blue and kind of, it's not quite white, but kind of cream, very, very pale cream. And I've gone for pink and grey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of the traditional. And I've done, I've just done a little bit of the, of, um, you know, I've only got a few inches so far, mm -hmm. but already I'm very excited about it. Excellent. Yes. Sounds good. Well, Ooh. I'm still working on some Fika socks. Um, which is so easy. I can understand why there's this Fika fan club. I'm now a <laughs> certified member. Fika fan club. Yeah. I did try and, like, I must say the difficulty I had with the long tail cast on. Mm -hmm. Not long tail cast on. Fine with that, Tubular guys. one. Tubular cast on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, at one point I was doing it on a train and the pe people I was next to were knitters, my friends. Yes. I have. Um, and they were kind of, they were like, you know, you can just do a different type of cast on. I was like, no, I'm sticking. I'm going to stay on this train until we get to the location. By the time we get there, I'll have knitted some of it. And I had like two rows and I was like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> so it was nice to have the support of people. Yes. Um, yeah, that's suppose that's my traveling stitch What story. are you making them in? I'm using um, Lang Yarwal mm -hmm. uh, sock yarn, which is nice. like a mix of pure wool and a little bit of nylon. And they're quite cool because they come with like a little extra reinforcing spool inside of it. Like a little secret, like surprise, extra yarn. <laughs> um, so you can like use that along with the toes and the heels to like reinforce it. 
also makes them look extra squidgy, so that's quite cool. I made my Fika socks in that yarn as well. No way! I didn't Wait, know. Wait, what? Oh, what? <laughs> Why don't we talk about this stuff on a podcast or something? I know! <laughs> Our great minds are thinking alike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost before in the same spheres of influence. Hmm. Hmm. I'm also, you know, I was talking before about my Delita shawl in the previous podcast, oh, wow. for those of you, I'll just do a quick rundown. I remember, I subscribed. <laughs> Making it in shibui, um, two different shibui yarns mm-hmm. held double, a mohair and a kind of alpaca, so it's lovely and fluffy. Um, that's for the body of the shawl, and then um, has kind of bobbles in a contrast colour. And I was worried that my contrast colour, um, that the yarn itself, although the colour was lovely, the, the yarn itself didn't quite lend its, it didn't kind of work overall. Texturally. Yes, Texturally, was, very good. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I decided to put it to one side and use yeah. it in a different project. And I bought a unicorn's tail from a magician. <laughs> <laughs> I traded it for some golden beans. Exactly. No, I got it, of course, from uh, from Loop. And I got um, the colour Neon Peach. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, for, those of you, for those of you who don't, I mean, maybe you don't know, it's Madeline Tosh's kind of mini skeins. Um, and they call them unicorn tails because they look like fun unicorn tails, yeah. I guess. Pretty magic. And as... Everybody knows probably by now I'm into unicorns. Yep. And, and tails. And tails <laughs> and neon peach. So I've done the bobbles now mm-hmm. and I'm just working on my edging, like phase one of the edging. Because nice. it's got a kind of a double-layered edging. And I'm really enjoying how, um, like I've never done an edging like this one before. We've got the kind of double layer mm-hmm. and it's very, very, very clever. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for it to be finished. Although I'll probably finish it right in the middle of summer and have to wait about well, realistically, not that long. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to wait some time before I can wear it. That's pretty exciting. Mm. Just remember, you can always tell us and all the other users of the internet, mainly Ravelry, <laughs> on the uh, Pom Pom forum groups on Ravelry. We've got yeah. the um, knit-alongs for all the issues. Yep, yep. So the summer knit-along is, is going strong. And so we'd love to see what you've made. And there's also a separate thread for you to post kind of while you're making things and... For you know, chatter. Chatter, exactly. And then there's no chatter. Yeah, there's chatter and no talking, just posting finished objects. Um, so that's always good fun and, you know, you can win super cool prizes, as always. Mm. So, yeah, you can tell and show us, or some would say show and tell us, <laughs> <laughs> what you're making there. And we'd love to see it. We'll see you there on the interwebs. <laughs> so our review for today is... Home and Away, Knits for Everyday Adventures by the lovely Hannah Fettig, also known as Knitbot. Indeed. She's part robot, part knitter. Yes, she is. No, she's... And she's made a book somehow, even though she has no hands to write with. But we'll get back to how that works later. Um, so, Sophie, what do you think of Home and Away? I Home can't... and Away. Closer each day. So maybe <laughs> Hannah Fettig didn't watch the Australian soap Home and Away when she was growing up but that's all I can think about while we've been like, discussing this review like before this thing. And I had said to Sophie, well, you see, I was more of a Neighbours fan. As was I. Yeah, so both of us are in the Neighbours camp, much like other British people might know. You know, most people are either an EastEnders watcher or a Coronation Street watcher. Sophie, which are you? I didn't want, Well, I think... I've probably watched more EastEnders in my life just by default, but I wouldn't say I could say anything about it. Mm. I definitely went through a phase of watching EastEnders and I definitely went through a phase of watching Neighbours very mm-hmm. religiously when I was at uni, but I've never really watched Home and Away, but I know the theme tune. Yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> just our cultural understanding of the world. We've just got our fingers in all those cultural pies, which we can reference. Home um, and Away. <laughs> anyway, so now that we've got that out of our system. I don't think we have. It's going to crop up again. <laughs> but we're sorry, guys. But, but we, can, uh, we can talk about this very, very lovely very beautiful book. Yeah, so it's all photographed uh, in Maine. So there's a mm-hmm. lovely sort of inspirational photo. So I think one of the nice things about this book, it's very educational. There's a lot of technical detail, but yep. then it's also just a good book just to enjoy the beauty of a good photographed knit. Yeah, there's lots of well. lovely snow, snowy trees. Yeah. Which I enjoyed thoroughly. So one thing that this book is um, sort of builds on is, uh, you may have listened to, and if you haven't, then we recommend it, mm-hmm. um, Knit FM, which was Hannah Fettig and Pam Allen of Quince and Co fame, mm-hmm. and they did a little uh, podcast which was, I think it was about 12 episodes or something, but they were very like technically based, like each episode going through like gauge or sweater construction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's room in this world for lots of podcasts, so I'm happy those guys did that one. I'm like the biggest podcast fangirl that exists. Yeah, so just, you know. if you like us, then you're like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they sort of, like, that was sometime last year they did that, and um, people really enjoyed it, as did I. Mm-hmm. Um, so this book is like a nice kind of follow-on from all those um, podcasts. There's a lot about um, 
construction and understanding gauge mm -hmm. and lots of technical things about choosing yarn. So it's a really good overview, I think, for beginners if they want to either build on their knowledge or just mm -hmm. I think there's lots of in this especially in the podcast there's lots of stuff they talk about and I'd be like oh yeah why didn't I think of yeah that like obvious things that you're like oh I should have always known that but then ah this is what these things are for never stop learning exactly That's never stop cool learning. thing about knitting yeah and one of the um extra interesting things about it is that um Hannah Fettig is known for lots of kind of top-down um yeah. sort of drapey cardigans and jumpers and it for this uh book you can either knit the patterns. The patterns are written for both top-down construction mm -hmm. or bottom-up and seamed construction. Which is quite revolutionary in the, you know, usually there's a tradition of yeah. a designer choosing one way. Yeah, normally you kind of pick your camp, or particularly maybe for a design, you might not pick overall, but you would choose to make Set up a, a tent. Yeah. <laughs> and then just knit it top-down. <laughs> just stick with that. Um, rather than knit the tent in pieces mm. and seam it and then sit inside it. But anyway, <laughs> um, which I think is really, um, well, it's just interesting because, that, yeah, some people, uh, you know, think that even though top down is kind of easier, that sometimes it doesn't quite get the right kind of shapes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that both are good, of course, and that's why this book works so well. But it's also, again, educational because, you know, you can kind of read in the book, there's like advice on you know, both kind of options and you can choose then for each different design, you know, would I prefer this to be top down or bottom up? Or maybe if you're more experienced making things bottom up and you fancy trying something top down, yeah. then you can just do that. Yeah. So you get what sort of patterns are speaking to you from this this book then? <laughs> well, I like uh, Georgetown a mm -hmm. lot, which is, um, I mean, they're all kind of lovely kind of minimal designs. Mm -hmm. So that Yeah, goes... that's, I think that's the, the very sort of simple aesthetic, which is why it's nice for beginners because you sometimes you just want that simple classic look well exactly and i do quite frequently. <laughs> uh when i'm not making pink and gray lacy ridiculous yeah. t-shirts i want you know just a simple cardigan and this does that it's lovely kind of shawl collar um in quince and co al which i've never knit with it's wool and alpaca and it looks beautiful mm -hmm. so i that looked lovely kind of and cozy and the version that's been photographed in the book is the set in sleeve version looks very lovely it's got kind of yeah like a ribbed shawl collar just very very simple mm -hmm. and yeah just looks super snuggly and especially with the like snowy backdrop was looking very beautiful how about you speaking of the way it's shot i yes. like the one that's called simple hat because she's holding a rooster in the picture <laughs> <laughs> that was cool i like the name simple hat it's like i like my men like i like my hats simple <laughs> and holding a rooster <laughs> But that nice mm. thing with that, when we're saying about the different ways you can uh, knit things, this is, the hat is designed for different weights. Yeah. So you have a bulky and a worsted slash Aran um, and DK weight. Mm. So I think that's fun. She is sort of, Hannah's sort of focusing on the construction of getting a good fitting hat, which I've struggled with. Yeah. So I'd be interested to like read more about that and sort of see how I can get this perfect hat. Yeah, implement the, the advice. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. learn through that. And there's also um, Leslie, which is a nice jumper with a very simple boat neck, um, very fitted, kind of very classic kind of 50s styling and yeah. Osprey. Um, so a nice chunky cardigan in that. Yeah. Uh, jumper even. Yes, I had that written down also and I wrote down short rows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a little bit of short rows in there just to kind of get the fit. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it would be a good time, I think, to try short rows for the first time in a jumper like that where you're not um, necessarily dealing with a stitch pattern at the same time or kind of colour changes. I mean, short rows are surprisingly easy. They're a bit like cables where you're like, oh, it looks so complicated and scary. And then it's like, oh, this is really logical and makes perfect sense once you've done it. Um, you heard it from us kids. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think those lovely. And I've also in my notes written lovely snow exclamation mark. I know I've already mentioned that <laughs> I think you're a fan of the snow. I do. Well, because you know, as a person who lives in the UK, I've experienced good snow very few times yeah. in my life. You know, I remember building a snowman when I was little and thinking it was very cool. And it hasn't happened since then. Maybe you could do a top down and a bottom up snowman with this. Uh, <laughs> top down snowman. Yes. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, um, I wrote down a little quote from the book, which was like regarding the kind of you getting to choose between top down and bottom up, which says choose your own adventure, which I thought was a nice yeah. time with home and away. And it does say at the beginning, this is for the knitters and the adventurers. Absolutely. Of which I think, should we include ourselves in both of those groups? I'd like to be. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So that was Home and Away by uh, Hannah Fessig. Yeah, so check it out, guys. It's a lovely book. So our 
interviewee for this podcast is Stephen West, formerly uh, and probably currently still known as Westnitz. Stephen started out, you know, kind of at the beginning of the Ravelry revolution with his uh, lovely kind of earthy shawls. And now he's known for his bright neons and love of brioche, I would say. So, uh, so let's talk to Stephen. So hi, Stephen. Thanks for coming along. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. We're going to start with one of our classic questions, which is a cliche, but it's always good to know. What is your earliest memory of knitting and how did you start? Ooh, my earliest memory of knitting, I would say, is making Chinese stars, because I probably didn't know it wasn't knitting. It was working with yarn. My mom had a basket of acrylic pastel red heart, and I had the popsicle sticks. You put them in an X and you weave them Mm -hmm. in and out, and then you throw them in your brother's eye. (laughs) Ninja stars. I think we called them God's eyes or something, too. Because when it hits your eye, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of knitting. I thought it was. (laughs) So originally you trained as a dancer, but then now your life is much more involved with knitting actually when, oh, really? contrary to popular belief i don't Ooh, know what's but i don't know i don't know what belief is what people believe um but i learned to knit and dance at the same time okay how did that come about um lots of coordination um no i was a high school and you could take dance instead of pe my advisor in the morning was the head of the dance program. And he said, Stephen, you should do dance. And I'm like, what? There's a dance program? So I did that instead of running uh, around tracks and hitting the balls and play. I don't know. But so I did that. And the, my school had a knitting club. And all my a lot of my friends knit. And I wanted to be cool. So I asked them to teach me. Yeah. We all know knitting's cool, so yeah, yeah you got that right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of your friends knit. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Nobody I knew really knitted when I started. Yeah, a lot of my friends in high school. We had craft nights. Aww. One of our craft nights was spent as knitting, we were doing beading, making jewellery, and then we pierced my ear. It was very crafty, and then we got bubble tea, and it was one of the best nights. <laughs> That's what my high school was like. <laughs> <laughs> so you trained uh, as a dancer and... Trained as a knitter, I guess uh-huh. you could sort of do yes. knitting training at the same time. Both. Um, um, how do you think the two complement each other? Because they clearly do in your life. Very well. Well, I dance less now, mm-hmm. but in high school, college, I went to college for dance. But I was knitting the whole time in between rehearsals, in between classes, instead of classes. Secrets out now. Stay at home and knit. And then I built a business, and great. <laughs> it worked out for me. I wouldn't recommend it, kids. <laughs> stay in school. Kids and stay in school. <laughs> but uh, it works because you're dancing with your whole body, usually, and then that's exhausting, so you need to rest and then knit. But if you knit all the time, then you're not working your muscles, so you got to do something to complement. So you can run and walk and knit at the same time. That's good. Multitask. <laughs> but yeah, doing something. I cycle in Amsterdam every day. So that keeps me, keeps my whole body active. Because I do, I do wish I could just knit 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I do. <laughs> but yeah, you need to do something else. But yeah, they're good physical compliments. Cool. So I want to talk more about your designs, which I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people who listen are probably familiar with. Um, when I think of like classic Westnick kind of designs, they're very mm. tweedy and the colours are very earthy. And mm. now there's sort of been an evolution of your design to more <clears throat> kind of colour, especially neon. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been like a catalyst moment of that? Or do you think it's naturally been your kind of progression as creative kind of knitting thing? Yeah, it's just kind of evolved into a new phase. Yeah, it's my whole life. Everything's connected. Everything's one. Uh, I started doing more bright colours like a couple years after I moved to... Amsterdam so yeah I just met yeah I was just around a different style and around a different kind of creative energy and for me that just gave me the space to play and not yeah do the right thing or stick to one style but I got to experiment and try different clothing and that affected what I wanted to knit to go with what I was wearing so it's gotten quite bright and it's not bright every day yeah like today I'm wearing pastel pink and black and white and gold accessories. <laughs> so, but I have fun with it because, yeah, for me, color and style is very of the moment, very 
instinctual and improvisational, but most of all playful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to stick to one. I'm not going to take myself too seriously and stick to my aesthetic (laughs) and stay true to myself and my brand. And no, it's always going to change. So how do you find, how have you found people's reactions to that? I found last year there was a period when I started releasing a lot of my new, more colorful stuff, more crazy garments that I know not everyone should wear. And I don't think you should make patterns and designs that everyone should make. Mm -hmm. That would be boring, whether it's a taupe sock or a rainbow, like, dicky. I don't know. (laughs) Like, everyone shouldn't make the same thing. So... I noticed a lot of people didn't like the new stuff and were sending me like personal messages, like expressing their concern <laughs> and extreme disliking of it all. <laughs> but there were just as many people who were like, I love this. Mm-hmm. This is great. Like, it's so good, fresh to see something like this. And I think that's important to have something out there that triggers people one way or the other. And I'm not doing it to like provoke anything from people. Like, I'm doing it because. I want to wear those things and I'm interested in this style or these kinds of color combos. But um, yeah, I've noticed that the people that are responding to it, making the like more fun, crazy sweaters or trying the bright colors like Edison bulb and neon peach. I have a really fun time interacting with them online and in person. And that's where I get inspiration from. So I'm going to keep following that communication and that vibe because that keeps me going. More neons in the future, yeah? Definitely. I haven't I haven't kicked it out of my system yet. I just yeah. got like a whole bag of highlighter uncommon thread from Loop this week. So I'm gonna do a sweater with that. Awesome. So um you're obviously incredibly passionate about knitting and colour, and mm-hmm. specifically bright colours at the mm-hmm. moment, but yes. potentially most of the colours. Have you ever met a colour you didn't like? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hate... Um, let's see. I used to hate lilac. Me oh. too. Like, really, it made me cringe. And I mm-hmm. said that in one of my colour play classes in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And the week or two after, I had lilac yarn, lilac pants, a lilac sweater that I turned into swants. <laughs> it like, when you put something that forcefully out into the world, yeah. it comes back at you in a good or bad way. And I chose to accept it. Yeah. So I worked with it. It does. You don't have to have a whole sweater out of lilac. No. You can. It can be a little stripe yeah. and mixed with other mm-hmm. colors. But that's one. I find myself not working with like royal purple ever, like grape. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah, I haven't. Doesn't do it. I'm for not you, yeah. strongly anti it. I just know I don't really prefer it, but. Maybe I need to challenge myself, and next week I'll have a great onesie. <laughs> See, I always find it difficult to love brown yarn. I think yeah. the world's life's too short for that. Yeah. But what's your views on that? I used to knit a lot with chocolate brown, yeah. and I feel like I've exhausted that personally. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that colors remind you of a time and a place yeah. and a mood. And for me, I, I experienced that, and I want to move on to yeah. different. Yeah, different styles. So I don't work with chocolate brown a lot. Um, I But now that I said that, I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to talk the rest of the time about <laughs> chocolate brown. <laughs> it's like I could talk about color for years. Um, but I've been thinking about brown, just why I don't go for mm-hmm. it. And But I have warmed up to like kind of honey, like orangey glazed browns. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, there's so many subtleties of a color. You can't blanket statement say, I don't like yellow. It is not good with my skin tone because someone gave me a color reading. And (laughs) first, you shouldn't do those. Like, give yourself your own color reading. And that is looking at a color. Do you like that color? Mm -hmm. If you love it, wear it. I don't care what it makes your face look like. I think that's all mental. Yeah. And if you feel good in something, you just look better anyway. Exactly. You look like you're having a nice time. Exactly. And you're right, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wear all the one colour. Mm-hmm. You can wear many colours. Yeah. So, as illustrated many as times, illustrated. yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. So I feel you might have just covered up then, but what would be your best knitting advice to anyone starting or, like, in the process of knitting? Best knitting advice? Or, like best advice you've been given well there's so there's a couple moments where someone's like told me something about knitting that stuck and i like use it every day Mm -hmm. and one of those was slip your last stitch and it gives you a nice edge and it's something so stupid that i don't know not stupid but you i put it in a lot of patterns now where you slip the last stitch and it looks nice and tidy and you can pick up into it and it looks really nice 
that's really geeky, but <laughs> I've, I'll remember like, this my whole life. Yeah. And someone told me to slip your last stitch. That was good. But sometimes it is those eureka moments where you've yeah. just been doing something forever and someone's like, oh, but put the, th- you put the yeah. yarn there and you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, like when I was like, oh, you don't need to make a slip knot before you start a yeah, cast on necessarily. Yeah. yeah, you just put the yarn over the needle and then you don't have a knot in your knitting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like... Yeah. We're going to have people mm. elsewhere who are listening Going. like, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's brilliant. I have no idea what you're talking about. Please upload a video. Come talk to us. We'll show you. I would love to do like a my favorite top 10 tips and tricks class, mm. which is just like, come and <laughs> pay to be in a class where I tell you not to make a slip knot. <laughs> <laughs> but just these like, duh things, but you need to hear and see them because yeah. yeah. they'll change your life. Yeah. And, because when you learn, when you first learn to knit, you know, there's a sort of set way of doing things yeah. and you don't, and then you just often don't change that. You learn lots of other really complicated yeah. things and you don't think of going back to basics yeah. and really thinking about why mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. why you're making a slip knot first. Like, yeah. is that really necessary? Mm-hmm. And it's really fun for somebody to just be like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, <gasps> That's an amazing point. And I've heard that from people as advice and I mm-hmm. give it as advice too, to let go of all these unwritten rules you think are there and you need to follow Mm. to make beautiful knits and be a good knitter. Like, that's all nonsense. But um, let go of that idea that there are these rules you have to follow. Mm -hmm. Do you have to, like, learn the rules? I always feel like you have to learn the rules of something because then you can break all of them, like... Or do you think it's better just to start from a blank slate and be like, oh, I can just knit anything? I I think it's better just to, like, start from scratch and just make tons of mistakes. Like, just do what you want to do. Like, instead of learning the right way to do everything, I mean, that's fine if you want to make a fitted sweater, but I don't have that desire. <laughs> yeah. So just, like, realize what it is you want to make. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people get forced into being a really, like, being taught very technically because that's the way to do things, but it's not right for everyone's way of learning. Yeah. Like, some people are going to learn way more by just say, here's all these colors. You don't. You can use lace weight with chunky weight together, and you can mix cotton and wool. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. But people like get stuck and get get stuck in their uh, knowledge of learning knitting by thinking it has to be a following a certain rule or sure. technique. Yeah. So don't get stuck is the general advice. I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Change it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you, I, I suspect we might kind of know the answer to this, but when you're designing, do you tend to design kind of from an instinct, <clears throat> like an instinct that you have, or for, through trial and error or what's your process uh it's a lot of trial and error um but a lot of just improvising and figuring out what i'm doing Mm -hmm. while i'm knitting i don't do a lot of sketching and drawing and Mm -hmm. planning what i make a lot of it's based off of um, a previous shawl i made um so like that's for example i just finished a shawl that you'll see soon Mm -hmm. it's in my new spring scarf knit along And it uses the same multiple yarn overs as Color Craving and Lumpy Space. Mm -hmm. There are these big elongated scarves that have like five yarn overs in a row or three yarn overs in a row. So you get these big holes. So as soon as I found out what resulted from repeating those multiple yarn overs, I was like, whoa, you get this illusion of short rows and really long shapes. So I loved what happened Mm -hmm. from those patterns I figured out. And now I have that in like my toolbox. Like, okay, I know when I do multiple yarn overs that first of all, it looks awesome. (laughs) And second of all, like I, now I know the kind of the geometry Mm -hmm. of what size it's going to be. So I like stole that idea from those explorations and applied that knowledge to a recent scarf, Mm -hmm. but with more color blocking and a little different direction. So it's a lot of kind of stealing old ideas, mixing them up and adding a new element. But a lot of it I do while I knit. Yeah. So I don't know what the finished final yeah. product is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. When you were a dancer, did you do a lot of improv? Yeah, mostly improv and modern. <laughs> I had to take ballet and all that stuff, but uh, I hated it. I stopped going and I knit instead. Because <laughs> they made me do it like five days a week. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to follow steps. They're, they tell me what to do. I want to do my own steps. Mm-hmm. So that's what dance and knitting. Yeah. Yeah. The world is connected. <laughs> cool. So I wanted to talk about your photo shoots because they look pretty much as fun as your knits. They're my favorite days. Yeah. Tell us more about those then. So um, I worked the last two years with my friend Alexandra. She's a photographer and makeup artist. Mm-hmm. 
and she knits too. So she has this brilliant eye for capturing texture and composition. Unfortunately, this year I'm unable to work with her because she has a full um, commitment schedule. But I found a new photographer I'm working with and I'm keeping the makeup kind of going mm -hmm. colorful and fun. But uh, those are my favorite days because I bring my outfits and now I knit a lot of my scarves and sweaters to match outfits I have Ooh. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I'll make something with the colorful instinct from a yarn shop and then I'll get an outfit to match it. <laughs> so it's they're becoming these kind of whole, complete, solid, colorful looks. And then, yeah, I get to dance in the shoots. Yeah. to move and pose and kind of use my knits as an extension of my body. <laughs> so the places you can knit uh, kind of hashtag and kind of vibe that you've you've done mm -hmm. um just well for those people who are listening who happen to not know mm -hmm. places you can knit just tell us a little bit about that so it's places where you can knit it and I in the title, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i started it with some instagram photos of me just knitting in lots of places because i travel a lot mm -hmm. and i knit everywhere all the time and i just yeah i started taking tons of photos because people need to like just see like all these crazy places where you can knit mm -hmm. education, you know, because you don't always think you can knit like next to a dumpster or like in one, you know, but you can. <laughs> and then I started making videos on YouTube. You can find them as places where you can knit Reykjavik, um, Denver. I did one in Mexico. I did mm -hmm. one. I need to do one in London. I was going to say, when's the London like, one coming? On. Yeah. <laughs> and then a lot of people have been posting their own photos on mm -hmm. Instagram using the hashtag places where you can knit. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool to see everyone around the world <laughs> using that tag. And I find that most people using it are purposefully doing it in like cool places. Yeah. Like yeah. On the beach. Yeah. And, like, Not like places yeah. you can knit on your sofa. Like, on my sofa. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows cat. you can knit. <laughs> Another feature we have regularly, we always ask uh, interviewees what their spirit animal is. I'd have to say uh, maybe a couple animals, like okay. a hybrid, if you mix, like a red fox, <laughs> like sly, and I love the gingery red color of the fox, and they have really luscious hair, and my hair's like going out now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get like a red fox wig when it's gone. Or and then some a, extension clippings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With like white tips. Yeah. And then a penguin. All right. So okay. like a fox, but with the movements of a penguin. Nice. So pretty much like a plump fox that waddles like a penguin, but it's really bushy like <laughs> and loves the cold. What would the penguin-fox hybrid be called? Yeah, penguox. Yeah, penguox. Oh, I like that, yeah. So Stephen's a penguox. Penguox. <laughs> that be like a new shawl pattern name at yeah, one point. Yeah, <laughs> I have a jacket called Penguono. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's yeah. a group of ladies in Paris. There's four of them knitting the penguono. It's this big, crazy jacket with like 50 colors in it. And they're all making their own version. And we're going to have a penguono brunch oh, nice. in Paris wearing our matching jackets. Oh, that's so cool. It's like, I'm looking forward to this like the whole year. <laughs> The event of the season. Say, yeah. <laughs> I'll look forward to seeing that on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> um, and then our other um, kind of question that we ask all our interviewees is: Are you? There's a um, a radio show uh, here called Desert Island Discs, where people have to choose eight records to take to a desert island with them. They're going to be cast away. Mm. The knitting version of that is, of course, the desert island yarn. <gasps> so if you're going to be cast away onto a desert island, mm -hmm. you're only allowed one yarn. You can have all the colours of that one okay. yarn. And it's like unlimited supply. Yeah, okay. but just the one base. One yarn. It's changing every week, but I'm going to have to go with my instinct right now and mm -hmm. say hedgehog fibre sock yarn. Okay. <laughs> okay, I did it. I did it. I committed. I'm not going back. I could, like, say ten yarns. I, ha I have, like, a top ten list in my head at yep. all times. But hedgehog fibre sock yarn, only if... Part of that is I always get, like, when she does a new color, like, it comes okay. my way on the island. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. So, like, not be okay. stuck with only the color she has, because she only has, like, 50 beautiful colors. <laughs> but to <laughs> have the new ones, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we can, we can arrange yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll we had Clara like a... Parks, and she has allowed two, because she was on two different time zones yeah. at the time, so... Uh... Like a parachute <laughs> system. That yeah, she was saying, you're not, like, you are a castaway, so you can't have yeah. contact with the outside no. world, but we can, yeah, organize drops. Drop-ins. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. It we sounds like my mailbox every week. A new <laughs> yarn, a new yarn to me. Yay! I need more in Edison bulb. <laughs> what plans have you got for the future? What can we expect from you? Patterns? Or well, I just started, announce, I announced the Spring Scarf Knit Along, Ooh. and it's 10 new scarves and shawls that will be released throughout May and June. 
And so that's going on. Uh, that's all fun photos uh, modeled by me because I'm a super cheap model <laughs> and I know what I want. So I deliver and that's gonna, I've been working on this collection for like the last three, four months. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the pieces are like three years old too. So I brought back some things that were just sitting around and re-knit them. And I have to say they're all really good. There aren't any fillers in the collection. It's all like pow, 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 yeah. like different construction, like big, awesome new pieces. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Are you, um, you were teaching at, at Loop today. Are you doing any more teaching uh, in the near future? Tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a color class tomorrow. Uh, in May, I'm doing uh, Berlin, just a yarn festival, mm -hmm. attending, not yeah. teaching. But then I teach in Paris this month, in Rotterdam, and I still have yet to plan my fall. I don't plan like a year in advance, so yeah. if you want me to come and teach at your place, <laughs> ask me like the two weeks in advance. No. <laughs> and of course you um, run a yarn, we didn't ask about the yarn yeah, shop. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a yarn shop, Stephen and Penelope, it's in Amsterdam, mm -hmm. and my friend Malia started it. She's the Penelope of it, that's yeah. her like superhero name. <laughs> So she started it four years ago, and I joined her last year, and we're getting it bigger and bigger, doing more patterns, bringing in more yarns, and it's a fun project. Yeah. Um, kind of just to have uh, a yarn support for, well, I get to, like, every day I walk home with new yarn from the shop. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. You see it as, like, your personal super stash It's now. my secondary stash. Yeah. <laughs> I got my primary stash at home, and that's, like, my backup stash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Gotta have backup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So if people want to keep in touch with what you're up to in the future, where should people go? Like sites and places? And you stuff? should go to Facebook and Instagram is West Knits. Mm -hmm. On Ravelry, I have West Knits Fan Club and the new West Knits Spring Scarf Knit Along group, mm -hmm. Ravelry. And yeah, I do, do the most posts on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So you got to catch me there. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. All right, well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. It's been a you. pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Keep on knitting, kitten. <laughs> <laughs>
tiny socks for a cat. <laughs> so if it goes anywhere near as well as that competition did, I think it's safe to say it's very worth searching the hashtag traveling stitches. So go ahead and do that. And if you are listening to this podcast in time, then please enter it. We'd love to see your pictures. Because what you can win, what can you win? You can well, win. You can win yarn. Yarn. So project got, bags, all sorts of things. We've got yarn from uh, Wool in the Gang, the yep. shiny happy cotton, mm-hmm. which is used in the cardigan. In the Palila cardigan. Uh, yes, in the most recent pom-pom. Uh, also pom-pom project bag. Yes. The ultimate accessory for if you're out and about traveling. Missing. Exactly. I'm, I have mine with me right now. There we go. Yeah. All the cool kids have. <laughs> and some yarn from Kismet Fiberworks to make uh, Talavera. Talavera. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, get amongst it, as my sister would say. <laughs> all right. So back to the Ravelry realness. Uh, travel knits. All right. What have we got, Sophie? Well, I feel we talk about socks a lot, and there was even the podcast where we just pretty much talked about socks the whole hour. (laughs) Uh, Active sock life. Um, But socks are great for travelling with. And why is that? Uh, Because they're small and portable. Exactly. And fun. And simple. Portable. Fun. Like a tiny dog. (laughs) (laughs) But less yappy, and you don't have to feed them. Yes. Anyway, Apart from so... <laughs> those carnivorous socks in it, it never went well. Um, so we also, um, I found a couple of patterns that involved the word travelling in their name. Oh, are these good for travelling or is it just a misleading title? No, I think they're good for travelling. Oh, phew. So uh, we have the Travelling Woman Shawl, which of course is a Ravelry classic. Mm-hmm. And that's um, designed by Liz Abenanka. And there is actually a Travelling Woman collection. Oh. Um, and I think there are many aspects in which in which this shawl is travelling related. You could knit it while you're travelling. Mm-hmm. And also that the um, lace, she says, like, look, you know, it's kind of a trap. I mean, all stitch patterns are travelling, mm-hmm. but she has a very beautiful explanation. Steam, on steam, man. Yeah, I know, it's pretty deep. <laughs> um, she has a very beautiful uh, description of the kind of uh, genesis of the shawl design on the Ravelry mm-hmm. page, which, of course, we'll link to. And there's also the Traveller Tunic by... Um, Joji or Hoki yeah. as she is known to herself Joji to us a lovely interviewee of last podcast exactly yeah. from podcast 12 and she has the Traveller Tunic which is made in John Arben Viola which is a favourite of ours I think yeah, it's fair I to love say that. and it's a tunic unsurprisingly that has a lovely kind of cabled yoke and she knit it whilst travelling herself um, if you follow her on Instagram which you should if you don't yeah. then you've got to see all sorts of stages of it um, so she says you know it's good for knitting whilst travelling and also good potentially to wear whilst travelling because it is very versatile. Good. Well, mm. one I'd like to offer to the pot is uh-huh. uh, Piper's Journey. Again, <gasps> within this... Journey! Yeah, you get the theme here, which is a Quince & Co pattern from their scarves, etc. 2012. <laughs> um, and it was based with the idea that you could knit this with minimal attention or um, annotations needed for yes. the design. So it's mainly like a big garter stitch kind of crescent. And then you add the lace detail on the end. And one of the good things about it, the stitch count isn't essential for the lace section. You can kind of adapt it to what you pick up. Oh, nice. Which is a nice kind of... It's what you want in a travelling project. Nothing too committed. Yeah, nothing where if you, for some reason, you know, maybe you've got a digital version of your pattern, but you can't access it all of a sudden. Oh, God. Or you lose your printout. That's Mm -hmm. happened to me. It's fallen in the sea. For example. (laughs) Exactly. Um, That sounds very lovely. Yeah, and that's using Quintico Chickadee, which again... Is a nice kind of medium weight yarn, so you're not doing something too fiddly and small. I think it's nicer to have the chunky knits for a more relaxing thing. Yeah, like a, t- me. a top down, like bulky jumper, maybe wouldn't be for the best traveling yes. companion, just for space reasons. Yeah. Um, I also have the Ricky hat, oh, which was designed fun. by Sarah Young, and we actually know Ricky. <laughs> I'm not herself. saying we're pretty cool, but, <laughs> but yeah. we are. Um, Ricky, who um, the hat was designed kind of for, is. Uh, a very lovely woman who we used to go to knit nights with. Yeah. She is fab, as is the Ricky hat. Yeah. One of the nice things about that is just really simple. Yeah. And it suits everyone, really. It's kind of just garter stitch. Mm. It's not in the rounds, so you would do knit pearl. Yeah. Technical note there. But yeah, it's... um, You've made one. I've made one. Everyone should make everyone one. Everyone should make one, yeah. They're, and yeah, they're very kind of like unisex. And as Sophie said, you know, um, yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's all a good hat, mm-hmm. pretty much. Very versatile. And you could even take it with you travelling. And then wear it on the way home. Exactly. Perfect. Perfecto. And then we also have, uh, what I have here, Travel Fox, which (laughs) is amazing. If you haven't seen this on Ravelry, Megan found this. um, And it was 
one of the best bits of Ravelry realness I think that's ever happened. What about um, the Pet Rock? Well, Pet Rock is up there. We're going to make a top three one oh, day right, of okay, Ravelry okay. realness finds. Um, but Travel Fox, which is by Irene Strange and um, is from Inside Crochet magazine. Um, we'll link to it, of course. And you can still access the pattern online, I think. Um, it's a crocheted fox neck pillow so it so, kind of looks like one of those fancy stoles you used to get with like real fur but yes no foxes were harmed in the making of no this foxes thing. harmed and yeah you can you know like when you're on the airplane and you have like a little neck pillow so uh-huh. you can kind of slump <laughs> slump stylishly like you know just lean a little bit on your pillow rather than just like lolling forward with your head on your knee which i mean i can't sleep on planes so i don't know much about this but i gather that some people fall asleep like that <laughs> a really good bit in uh one of Elizabeth Zimmerman's books, I think it's The Knitter's Almanac, and she talks about her like technique for falling asleep anywhere, and she's like, I sit up really, really straight, and then I just let my chin droop down to my chest, and then she's like, I find I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> wow. I think that's one of the bits you don't expect in a knitting book, like, hmm, napping techniques. Well, and it just adds to the ways in which I wish I was more like Elizabeth yes, Zimmerman. Yes, same here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As I am not a very good sleeper, but I think I would want a travelling fox pillow anyway. Just for the relaxing time, you know. So everyone should check that out, as well as all the previous things we discussed. And of course, from the most recent issue, we have not one, but two bag-related items. <laughs> so we have a little crochet purse. Yeah. Uh, for your trinkets. Uh-huh, called Azuleko, which mm-hmm. is made in Quince & Co. I'll let you pronounce that one. <laughs> <laughs> Quince & Co. Sparrow, and designed by Judith Brand. And yeah, it's just like, a, for what did I say earlier? For your knickknacks. For your knickknacks. <laughs> but I don't have any knickknacks. <laughs> Get some knickknacks. Oh, okay, <laughs> get some and then you know you could use it to say store for example uh, your stitch markers mm-hmm. and crochet hook all sorts of things to take with you whilst traveling perfect and we of course have the pomelo bag which i discussed earlier mm-hmm. again you know once you get to your traveling the place you're traveling to and you're wandering around the market perhaps could could be you need a bag to put your stuff in right <laughs> my souvenir donkey or whatever you're getting yeah, you know. exactly those things you're buying like oh it's awesome you get home you're like oh where am I going to put this fiber optic, like, Mary and Joseph <laughs> statue? Oh, in my bag. <laughs> it's a solar-powered gondolier. <laughs> Some, you know. What about all this fudge? <laughs> I feel like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> I do love a good trinkety thing to I bring back. Oh. So there it is. There's the, uh, the Ravelry realness, I believe. Because Ravelry is what? Fundamental. <laughs> so, on to top three. Now, we had suggestions on our Ravelry group, and this one is from uh, Jomiel. Yes, we're not exactly sure how you pronounce it, Jomiel, but you know who you are. (laughs) And you suggested that we talk about top three things to bring on a trip, or like travelling, for Mm -hmm. entertainment and practical reasons, I think we've gone for. Yes, yes, and we've decided we've... There's two um, important caveats here, because we decided to ban... You can't involve knitting or crochet in our top three because it's kind of a given, yeah. let's be honest. We've guys. already got that. We've packed it, it was the first thing, yeah. at least three projects. Stage one of yeah, packing. exactly. You know, the, the packing of the knitting takes at least 24 hours. Because <laughs> sometimes you have to swatch for a thing, especially to make sure... And then make you sure know, you've got the right needles anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, interchangeable needle set, that's a good thing. Anyway, anyway. let's not reveal anything. Um, oh, and, and the second thing... No snacks. No snacks. Because all we ever talk about in top three is snacks. And like, Still important things, but... But they're like as obvious as knitting. So we decided to ban both knitting and snacks because they'd basically be... It was a tough decision, but... But we've made it, guys, and we hope that you can appreciate why we've made this hard decision and the benefits <laughs> that it will bring to this segment of the podcast. And so without further ado, um, Sophie Scott, what's your top three travel uh, knickknacks? All right, so... When we were saying, can it be entertainment or can it be practical? I went for a mix. Okay. On my first, well, number three or whatever, mm-hmm. the first one, would be a bag of resealable bags. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Well, because I once read this tip in a magazine somewhere. They were like, if you were somewhere and you need a hot water bottle, but obviously you didn't bring that with you, mm. you can wet a piece of fabric like a tea towel and then put in hot water... <laughs> And then put it in a bag, and then you've made a hot water bottle. Have you ever done this? No, but I'm <laughs> waiting. I, t- I tell this fact to people, and they're like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, because you need a hot water bottle. I think it's really cool. <laughs> so <that's- laughs> and also, when you're camping in general, I've done a lot of camping, and I get really into like being really like organised and having like the kit, and then like uh, all the tips, like put your pyjamas in your sleeping bag. 
Because then when you unroll your sleeping bag, boom, it's pyjama time. Don't need to go find those guys. Very smart. Very good. So this is the kind of things that people... My sister would always get really annoyed with me when she'd go camping. I was like, oh, have you done this? Have you done this? She's like, I don't need your tips, whatever. She's younger than me. I feel like I do need your tips. Well, you know what? I told her... I I made her put her pyjamas in a sleeping bag and she said, I understood... I saw the light. Ordered them out. There I was. Ah. And you could use the resealable bags... For if you were if you were flying, for example, you need them because you're not allowed yeah, to, um, this is the what toiletries. See, you're on my wavelength now. You got seal stuff, oh, the yeah. toiletries, and then if you need to like organize stuff in your suitcase, because then you just have bag of pants, bag o pants, <laughs> as they're known. <laughs> wow, I'm learning. <laughs> so that's why I think that's a top thing. I think that is bring. a top thing. You can put snacks in them. Anyway, for example, knitting makes me sound really cool. But I, I think you're cool. <laughs> so what I'd also bring is pen and paper, which might seem obvious. Oh, very good. But okay. then I really, really love paper games. So like consequences where you sort of write down a story and everyone writes a bit and you pass mm. it around. And also there's this game, which I know is squares, but basically you draw a grid of dots and then everyone takes a turn to draw a line and mm-hmm. basically you're trying to make a square. And if you make a square, then you get to like win a point. Mm-hmm. Countless lessons Sounds of physics. Like a riot. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Countless lessons of physics I passed by playing that game, oh. and so did, still did all right on GCSE physics. That's, That's good. good. Um, so yeah, and then you've got the options of doing like drawing while you're there, which is nice because writing like, poetry, writing poetry and haikus, travel diaries, things yeah. like that. I think you can't underestimate the joy simplicity of a pen and paper also doing origami that's quite fun i know someone who used to take like know how to make an origami frog when they were out traveling like somewhere in asia they'd be like just break the ice being like oh do you know how to make this and give it to someone and be like cool can i stay with you (laughs) you could also make those kind of um what are they called the things that you like a fortune teller they look like a little beaky thing oh man i love those i used to draw eyes on them and call them bob there you go They were all called Bob. So you don't need any amusement if you're travelling along in a car with you, then you've just got Bob. Just got Bob! Um, my number one would be a pack of cards. Seems obvious, right? It does, But yes. then when you're travelling along, I know I've gone like, oh, why didn't I pack the cards? Yeah. I did actually, we were once in a Spanish airport and uh, our flight got delayed and I was like, oh, let's go buy a pack of cards. And then the pack of cards was slightly different because it wasn't like a English pack. There was a slight Ooh. difference in the, in the suit. And yeah. then some of the cards were just... Diff- like a different sort of set huh. like an extra bonus card and uh, so we played that and uh, the person I was playing it was very very tired and I kept trash like I was winning every one and there's yeah. this little old Italian couple next to us like he's lost again kind of thing <laughs> obviously they weren't speaking English to us but I could see them being like <laughs> the folly what of blue what game playing? Twos and Eights um, you can teach me later yeah we'll teach you later <laughs> so yeah I think always have a pack of cards because then you can play a game called well, I can't say the name of it. Poophead. Poophead, <laughs> which is a very good university game. I love that game. Okay, so <laughs> I have three. Yeah. three things. Um, I feel like sad about my number three because I think it's too practical, but I've written it down and I'm... I, ha- I have resealable bags. <laughs> it's true, I have a toothbrush. Yes, that's so right? sensible. Because if I always keep it in, I have a little um, sort of case for the head of the oh, toothbrush. Oh man, I can talk about those a lot. I think they're very useful thing yeah exactly well i got mine from tiger the exciting shop mm. the land of possibilities yeah. and so if you have that you know in an accessible location with some toothpaste you just you know if you've been traveling if you you know been traveling for a long time in ev- whatever way you've been traveling you know bus plane by mule by mule for example then when you get to the place if you brush your teeth you just feel like it's true it does refresh you person. and at festivals or camping or whatever mm-hmm. as long as you can brush your teeth you feel like you're like, clean yeah you don't feel like a little furry animal. Exactly. Lives in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely going to go with toothbrush and yeah. Okay, number two. Uh, this is a thing that's come in handy for me in the past. Is a big scarf, which you can use as a blanket. Yes. Or a neck pillow. So yes. if you have a scarf that's like really big and kind of chunky, um, it could be a scarf that you've knit. Mm-hmm. Could be, um, you know, a non-knitted scarf. Also acceptable. <laughs> Um, for example, Megan gave me an amazing giant scarf that she brought back from India. Mm, that's like it from like Goa, a, in fact. That's like a big single duvet. It's when you wear huge. it, it's literally yeah. like swamping your heart. You look like kind of like some Bedouin tribe woman wearing <laughs> a massive scarf around your. But head. it's brilliant, and because 
you know, if it's cold, then it's great. And it, and you, yeah, you can kind of sleep on it, like with a neck pillow, or you can put it over your lap mm-hmm. if you need to, or you could sit on it if it's too warm and it's just a comfy pillow. Oh, perfect. So that's my traveling uh, tips. Mm-hmm. I think between us, we're like, we should start a separate podcast just for <laughs> traveling tips. I'm really excited about this. Yeah. <sighs> I'm going to calm down slightly. Okay. I think we just need, really want to go on holiday. We're like, oh, and then we'll buy a boy. And then I'll pack this. Okay, so then um, number one for me. And this is number one, not just for traveling for me, but in mm-hmm. all aspects of my life. Again, not including knitting. Second favorite thing, podcasts. Yes. You have to have podcasts. So before I go anywhere, even just to get the bus to work, <laughs> I make sure I have enough audio time to keep me going because I'm completely addicted to listening to podcasts. And I just think they're the best way to pass any kind of time because you can you know get a funny one if you think you're not going to be able to really concentrate or you know a really absorbing kind of informative one if you know that you need to be like really really distracted or, or a, you can have a combination a witty informative knitting based podcast yeah i mean or... if you guys come across one you want to tell us about <laughs> <laughs> so you know i could go and list all the podcasts i listen to i won't because that'll be a whole extra hour and a half that no one wants to hear um but yeah, that's my top travelling companion. You know, I could leave the toothbrush and the scarf behind. As long as you had a good as podcast. As long as I had a good podcast, everything is okay. Oh, we hope you have had a good podcast and everything is okay with you guys. Um, we, we do, we sincerely do. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, and we hope that if you do any travelling of any kind, that you take a picture of you knitting on the go mm-hmm. and you send it to us. You can either send it to podcast at pompommag.com or even more excitingly, you can post it in our thread in the Ravelry group. Mm-hmm. Um, we have many threads in our Pom Pom Ravelry group and we'd like to see you in at least one of them, yeah. preferably many of them. Um, and you can always um, visit our website, pompommag.com. And... Wonderful. That's all the social media interwebs forms, I yeah, think. Or, yeah, or of course Instagram. Instagram. Oh, we've got one. And Twitter. Oh, shoot. And We're Pom Pom Mag everywhere, basically, guys. So please come and join us. Find a bit hello. of the internet and we'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you here on the podcast next month. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block, who wrote the original music for this and all of our other podcasts. Go, Eli. You can find more Eli related music at goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Big thanks to our interviewee, Stephen West, who is fabulous, as I think we'll all agree. So thanks again to him. And thanks, as always, to Megan Fernandez, the co-editor and co-creator of Pom Pom and general awesome lady around town. Of course, I'd like to say a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. See you there.